What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome to Who Pods the Watchmen, a comprehensive Watchmen fan podcast from Permanent Record in Austin, Texas. I'm Mike Moody. And I'm Grant Davis. Grant, how you feeling? <laughs> Not well, Mike. <laughs> Not well. You know what? I wrote I wrote like, okay, uh next I'll ask Grant, like I, I have a little outline here right, right, right. for our podcast. And I'm like, next I'll ask Grant how he's doing, and he'll say fine, and I'll move on. But you're pretty fucking sick aren't you yeah uh, i think i contracted the flu which i thought is like a fall thing uh-huh. but uh springtime it's texas flu is always around yeah it's kind of gnarly yeah. but we must pod <laughs> we must we must pod to keep track on these watchmen yeah it's pretty exciting that the watchmen is coming out soon we don't have a release date yet for the hbo series right but we got the trailer a few days ago, which we're actually going to break down in another episode. Um, this is a short preview episode of our new podcast, Who Pods the Watchmen, uh, just to give everybody a taste of what we're going to do. And I think it's safe to say we're a little excited. Oh, yes. A little hyped for HBO's Watchmen series coming as early as September, according to that trailer. Uh, right. It said, I think it said fall 2019. Yeah. So, mm, yeah. Who knows? So that's a big reason we're launching this podcast. Some of you listening might know us from our other TV pods like Star Trek Discovery Pod. Uh, I do Mr. Roboto. Under those other pods, we break down and discuss every episode of those shows. So that's largely what we're going to be doing here with Who Pods the Watchmen when uh, the HBO show drops. Right. We, we've now gathered a little bit of experience in talking long form, usually longer than the episode is, Sometimes. about an episode. Yeah. <laughs> So during the run-up of the premiere on HBO, we're going to do some deep dives into the – what do you want to call it? The original tome, the scripture? Uh, <laughs> the Bible. The yeah. Bible, yeah. The, the original Watchmen comics from Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, John Higgins. Plus we'll be breaking down Watchmen and popular culture a little bit. There's lots of iterations now. Right, right. So Watchmen babies as, <laughs> as they debuted on The Simpsons. Yeah. Love you, Millhouse. <laughs> so on the docket for upcoming episodes, we do have planned a retrospective review of Zack Snyder's 2009 Watchmen movie. Kind of excited to watch that one again. I haven't seen it in several years. It's right. ten, like, ten years later. When's the last time you read Watchmen itself? Um, man, it's been several years. It's been like, mm, I want to say at least six, seven years. Yeah, I'm, I know that I read it at least twice, but it's been... I, probably a decade since I've I've gone and read that one. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is going to be a fun exploration for us to kind of go back and revisit this series and really approach it from a familiarity with ultimately like what the outline is of the show, but get into like a much deeper nitty gritty analysis of what they're trying to accomplish, what's going on panel for panel, all, what's what's going on and in, in what's implied in those gutters, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> in the bleed. So we, we are going to talk about the graphic novel mm-hmm. or actually the issues of the comics, issue by issue probably on the pod. Yeah, right? maybe issue by issue for that, maybe yeah. uh, a little bit extra for the ancillary stuff like um, 
the little um, thing by Hollis where the chapter of his book that he writes right. or the – what's it called? The Black Freighter? Black Freighter. Yeah. yeah, the little comic within the comic. Yeah. Um, thanks to our buddy Nate Bliss, I have the Absolute Watchmen edition. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Oh, man. It, not only is it gorgeous, but the the back like third of the book has all of Alan Moore's notes and letters to Dave Gibbons about – um, about crazy witchcraft and polygamy and stuff. <laughs> well, no, that that's his live journal. But no, it, it's just it, he he just documents his whole creative process for outlining the entire story and every character, and it's it's a lot. But I, I've been reading that before. I'm going to dive into Watchmen again, and it's mm-hmm. giving me a whole like just a deeper context of where he was coming from right. with the story and the character. So we'll be talking about that too. I'm really excited. Not only. To dive into just the analysis of that comic of of the movie, which I, I again I have I think I only saw that once the Zack uh, Snyder movie. So how, how did you feel about the movie when it came out in '09? I mean, j- just give me a little preview because we're going to dive deep into it later. Sure. What I'll say is that I thought it, visually stunning, like it, it's pulling exact images and sequences straight from the comic and it looked incredible i thought the the music a while you know obvious choices for music like hit the nail on the head for setting the scene and Zack snyder can do some things that Zack snyder does very well Uh, at the same time i thought that a lot of the underlying themes were kind of missed with this this glossy exterior yeah i kind of feel the same way but I haven't seen it in 10 years, so I want to revisit it and see if – while I'm reading the comics to see if Snyder got a fair shake or not. You know, maybe right. some of those themes are on the surface of that movie. Maybe they're not. I was definitely primed. It was, it was a, a geeky period in my life that I've not escaped. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so that, geeky. that was a geeky – Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. It's, it's just an ongoing geeky p- part of my life. Um, but I, I remember I think I had my hackles up about it. I was like, oh, I'm ready to go in and not like this movie. So – Oh. I don't know. It'd be nice to revisit and think. Well, that's not how we're going into the HBO series. I think uh, we're pretty excited about it. I mean, we'll be talking about the comics on this pod. We'll be talking maybe about some of the ancillary comics, like mm-hmm. maybe the Beyond Watchmen. Maybe oh, the... I have not read those. Okay, at all. maybe the Doomsday stuff. I haven't the Doomsday Clock. Yeah, uh, which are relatively new. I don't think that series has even finished yet. So maybe we can jump into those a bit. But if we're being honest. Come September, whenever HBO premieres a series, our focus will be mostly on the new series. Yes. Damon Lindelof, HBO, Watchmen. Those three names alone are pretty hard to ignore. And for a certain subset of people, i.e. you and me, it's just like a perfect stew of IP, creator, network. I cannot wait for this show. Dude, no kidding. When I heard about Watchmen like being optioned for TV, it's like, eh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But then I saw Damon Lindelof, and you know, Damon's my boy. I am a full-on David Lindelof fan, apologist, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, yeah. I understand that, that he is uh, one of those figures that has a degree of notoriety in, in how people in – the the geek world kind of perceive him. Some people did not love Lost with the same fervor as I. He's a polarizing figure, to say the least. A polarizing figure. Yeah. But, yeah, I will defend to the death Lost and Leftovers is some of the most beautiful television I think I have ever seen. I'm with you. 
like three years in a row, it was like my top show of the year. Yeah. And still, some of those episodes, some of those scenes are just so haunting. International Assassin is brilliant. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about our anticipation for the show, but let's talk about, uh, for those who are listening and don't know us, tell me a little bit about yourself, Grant, and uh, why you got into Watchmen. So I've been podcasting since 07, since it started kind of taking off, and mainly been talking about a lot of geek stuff, a lot of comics and TV and film and pop culture, a lot of genre-specific stuff. I went on to do a TV-centric podcast called The TV Dudes, which I have been doing, I think, since 2010. So that's almost a, a decade in. And that's a weekly show just talking about a bunch of new TV shows. And one of those obsessions that I had be- even before that was the show Lost. And I would sing the praises of Lost. And I even did my own little webisode series just talking about that show and Easter eggs and and – um, starting little ARG fan groups where I would try and play games with people like online about that stuff. It went a little bit obsessive. Should we be starting a Lost retrospective podcast instead of a Watchmen? <laughs> I'm only going to talk about like comparisons to Lost. I mean, it sounds like you want to talk about Lost. I, well, yes, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, in addition to that, I do a number of other podcasts. I do a beer centric one called the Beerists Podcast. We talk about craft beer. I do the Star Trek Discovery one with you. I've been on video game podcasts. I've been doing a lot of lot of talking about stuff, especially if I'm unfamiliar with it. Um, like with Star Trek one that we do. Right. I've never watched Star Trek. Um, I, I'm doing the beer one because I was not as familiar with beer, craft beer, before I joined that podcast. Well, that's cool because with this podcast, with the Watchmen podcast, not only are you familiar with the Watchmen, but you're a huge fan of Lindelof and very familiar with his work. So it's yes. kind of a different role for you here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to do a deeper dive and maybe flex a little bit more expertise than I usually do. No flex. No flex. No flex. <laughs> uh, so I've been co-hosting and producing podcasts for a few years now here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned before, Grant and I do the Star Trek Discovery Pod. I also co-host Mr. Roboto, a podcast all about Mr. Robot, and I also produce other pods here in Austin. I mean, I don't think projecting the idea that all I do is watch TV and podcast about it is a good look. That's kind of all I do. <laughs> well, that's not true because you and I also happen to run a recording studio. That's yeah. right. We record at Permanent Record Studios here in Austin. It's where we're recording today. And yeah, Permanent Record's going to be bringing you this podcast every week. And with Watchmen, I think I first got into Watchmen about 15 years ago. Well, maybe it was longer than that, like in the late 90s, early 2000s. Well, it's certainly a comic book that's like as soon as you enter a comic book shop, or at least at least in the '90s, yeah, and early aughts, when you walked into a comic book shop, it was always spoken with such reverence. Yeah, like I remember hearing about it. I don't quite remember like who introduced me to it, but I was reading a lot of the stuff that was like influenced by it. Mm. It was so much, you know, like some of the more like gritty, kind of violent DC stuff at the time, superhero stuff. And I finally got around to Watchmen, which was just completely absorbing, like miles beyond any other comic I was reading in terms of the depth, the allegorical storytelling style, its potent use of symbolism, its unflinching depiction of what the emergence of superheroes would do to the real world. 
I was fascinated by the idea that costume superheroes could and probably would have such a deep, like just fucked up negative impact on all aspects of society if they truly existed, you know? Right. And, you know, Watchmen presented this fascinating alternative history defined by the social, political, and scientific reaction to the emergence of superheroes and mass vigilantes. It was really a -a one-of-a-kind property at the time, and it it kind of blew my mind. It's also such a reflection of its own specific time period, the the Cold War, Reaganism. There there seems to be uh, a lot of commentary and and perhaps lashing out by by Alan Moore in sure. in how he's directly addressing a lot of the problems of of the time then and the climate. I mean, he was speaking to the choir when it comes to me. I mean, preaching to the choir. Right, right, I right. will say that the inevitable, like, there's this weird misreading of the of Watchmen. It, it's sometimes a little baffling to me, like things like. The right wing kind of embraces characters like Rorschach and the comedian. Like Ted Cruz has said Rorschach is like one of his favorite superheroes. It's like, what are these people thinking? It's so funny because when I first read this, yeah. I, I seem to have recalled like, oh, Rorschach. He, what, what a kind of like a hero he was. Right. And then I went back and just read it and went, wow. Just like no. front page one, this guy is. No, he's Batman. He's bonkers crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love one of my favorite lines is like. Uh, are all these other superheroes crazy? Have they all yeah. lost their mind? I'm like, mm. yeah, I, I get that because Rorschach is this—he's this iconic, like pop character. He looks so so damn cool, right? Mm-hmm. And he does cool things. And I kind of—you kind of want to identify with his like question Batman-esque detective skills because that's that's cool stuff. He's but also our our point of view character, and I think for a long time, yeah, uh, before something like Watchmen, you are much more inclined to associate the the lead character as not only the protagonist, but also the hero of the story. Right. And so you're a lot more forgiving of some of the things they're saying, or you're kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of what this guy's hero bend is, that yeah. he thinks it's okay to throw someone down an elevator shaft <laughs> and murder them. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of fans who, even as they grew up like and matured, still kind of don't get what Moore was doing. And I think we're going to dive into some of that in this podcast. Like, That's why I'm so excited to revisit this. Like, yeah. I, When I read it first, I was like 16. I'm sure I was not reading it from as analytical a mindset. So I wasn't trying to I, – I got the overall message of uh, superheroes not in check, but, you know. Yeah. Deeper meanings going on. Yeah. I mean, there there's a contingent of fans that really like how it – they feel that they embrace and enjoy what they see as this exploitation of violence in, in the comic. Zack Snyder certainly did. <laughs> yeah. I mean – or, or like extremism, you know, mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. that's cool. But that's not the kind of fan I am. And, and far – I mean, far be it to me to tell anybody how to – react to a work of art or fiction or how to process their fandom. Oh, leave that to me. Okay. (laughs) But, like, celebrating violence and, like, extremist right-wing values is not what The Watchmen is about, obviously. And I I expect we'll dive into that topic a little more as our podcast goes on this year. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. Tick. 
So let's let's talk more about this show and why we're excited about it. Right. Um, I mean, after the creative success of The Leftovers on HBO, which you mentioned earlier, uh, co-created – or was he the main creator? I mean, largely written by Damon Lindelof. I am pretty much ready to follow Lindelof off the edge of the world at this point. I right. mean – The I, Leftovers was an adaptation of the book. That's right. Tom Parada. Yeah, by yeah. Tom Parada. And Lindelof, I, I, <laughs> if you watch that first season, man, it, it's bleak. But yeah. Man, it, it was still so powerful. And then he kind of got over his, you know, exercising his demons. And I think that first episode or season rather, and it just got so fun. And when I look at the, the trailer, I know we're going to talk about the trailer in depth in another episode. But just looking at this trailer, I'm like, this, this feels so in tone. Mm-hmm. With what the leftovers was doing, like mm-hmm. it, this kind of world building, this this scenery, the staging, I'm so on board. Yeah, I mean, the leftovers just had this unflinching commitment to its complicated characters and themes, and it was so original and unpredictable. And as it went on, it became even more unpredictable. And it was just like people are really super excited right now about the ending of Game of Thrones, which you and I are too. We're into it. Right. Yeah. But with The Leftovers, I, I think I was even more on the edge of my seat for the final, like, two hours of The Leftovers to see how he would wrap up this show because it was just so compelling and unpredictable. It was so great. And I, I know he's going to bring that type of storytelling to The Watchmen. And I don't think this creative team that he's assembled is going to disappoint. He's bringing in some writers from The Leftovers, which is a great sign. And he's saying and doing things that are really exciting. Like, we know he's committed to rooting the series deep in the world that Alan Moore created, but he's also forging something new, right? It's not just retelling the original story. This seems to take place after the events of Watchmen. Mm -hmm. So that world exists, and there are superheroes, and there is the destruction at the hands of of i don't know if i want to spoil it the destruction at the end of of watchmen so like you mean the squid (laughs) the squid (laughs) the giant squid so it'll be interesting to kind of pick up with how he wants to tell his story because i know like doomsday clock is also kind of addressing this world after watchmen but but they're bringing in all the main dc superheroes like superman and batman like (laughs) i don't think superman and batman are going to be in is that how you pronounce them lindelof show yeah where you been is is it a last name (laughs) superman superman yeah okay um like if all goes to plan we're gonna get something that is new and unpredictable but it's going to bring us what most of us really like about Watchmen, which is the world, which is the the social and political themes that Moore communicated in the original text. And what Lindelof brings is he knows how to develop characters that you really become passionate about. I mean, you, we were talking about Game of Thrones earlier, and that one that show is at its end. And I think. There, there used to be a little bit more passion for the characters with the character development, but some of that kind of fell by the wayside for some of us. Mm-hmm. And with shows like Lost, with shows like The Leftovers, the how much you identified with and be, became like passionate about rooting for these characters is, is tied to how invested 
Lindelof and his writing team have been in richly developing them and setting them in this world and making it so believable. Right. And yeah, he's not a he's not a big plot guy. He's more of a character guy, a story guy. Right. And that is one of those things that I think is so crucial to this world and perhaps one of those things that was a little bit lacking in the Snyder movie. I, I don't recall <laughs> really identifying too much with any of the characters and found a lot of it a little bit toned down and silly mm-hmm. in relation to what was going on in the book. Right. So I'm excited for him to do that and uh, how he he builds suspense, how he builds atmosphere, how he, he can dangle a mystery mm-hmm. and really make you invested in it. One of the most interesting things that Lindelof did with The Leftovers is he only hired a writing staff of people. He would ask them, what did you think of Lost? And if they said praises of Lost, he wouldn't hire them. Oh. Only people that were really critical of Lost were people that he wanted to surround himself with because he wanted people that he could learn from. Right. And he wanted people that would challenge him on on ideas in huh. order to craft something. And that's like continual improvement, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. Of your process. And I, I find that so inspiring that you're, you're not just looking for yes men, the people that you're going to work easily with. You're looking for people that make what you do better. And I thought that that's why The Leftovers was so critically acclaimed is he was able to learn from what he did with Lost and make things even better with what he did with The Leftovers. And I'm hoping that carries through with Watchmen. Yeah, and not to mention this cast. Oh, the cast. I mean, it's a classic thing in fandom, in geekdom, to just praise, you know, a cast list that is announced, you know, a year before a project goes up. But this one seems really inspired, though. You know, I mean... Regi- it's eclectic and it's really eclectic and interesting. Like Regina King is just a queen, <laughs> right? Right. She she was fantastic in uh, in the leftovers. I think she was yeah. was she only in the final season or she she popped up a little bit in the, the second season? Yeah, well. a little bit in second and in the final, and then um, she was in American Crime. That's what she won her Emmy for. Right. She was great in that. Season. And now that like we've seen a little bit of the preview, I'm so excited for her character. Yeah. Oh. Oh man. Yeah, dressed out, dressed up in that. At first, I thought she was a vigilante because she's dressed like a costume vigilante, but she has a badge. Right. And I'm not sure if the badge is part of her vigilante costume or part of the police force. It might be part of the police force because if I remember right, and we'll talk about this when we revisit the original tome of Watchmen, but I think part of the Minutemen's history, remember the Minutemen, the, mm-hmm. the pre-Watchmen, was that some of them were cops but justice wasn't being served, so they put on masks at, in their police uniforms and went out and did what they had to do. And I think that's what we're seeing echoes of here because it looks like a lot of the detectives and cops and law, law enforcement figures in the new series are wearing masks. Right. Which is kind of echoing. Like that's just another great – not necessarily a callback, but a great way to build on something that more created. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Don Johnson – Awesome. I mean, did you watch? Did you see him in Dust Till Dawn, the TV I did show? Not. He was awesome in that show. Like he just went in total like B movie sleaze. He's gonna do great. He just chews scenery so well. Mm-hmm. Francis Fisher, Louis Gossett Jr., yes, uh, Tom Meissen, who played Ichabod Crane in Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. Tim Blake Nelson, Jeremy Irons, who it looks like will be playing Ozymandias. Um, 
Yaha Abdul Mateen II, Jean Smart, who's kind of had this career resurgence over the past decade. She's so great. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's so great. I'm she, just I'm just grinning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for yeah. just this cast list. Okay, so we are going to be covering the show weekly. Um, and like I said, we're going to be talking about the comic and the films. And I think our next episode, we're probably going to break down that trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll be back. Hopefully next week with a deep look at the first trailer for HBO's Watchmen. Plus, we're probably going to piece together a few things from some of the other promo material that they've let out and kind of give you a better look of what's to come uh, from HBO, Damon Lindelof, and from Watchmen. So please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, We need you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and support us on Patreon. We'll be bringing you bonus podcasts and other patron-only content on Patreon. So you can follow us on social, support us on Patreon, and listen to us all by going to whopodsthewatchman.com. And if you want to go directly to our Patreon, which we would appreciate, patreon.com slash whopodsthewatchman. And if you guys go to Instagram... Please tag us in your stories, and we'll regram those. Oh, we're, yeah. We're excited to, to join with you guys in community in sharing these images and in, in sharing speculation and, and what we're excited about with, with this show. Yeah, we should hit that Instagram and that Twitter hard. Like, while we're going back to these comics and going back to the movie and everything, mm-hmm. let's kind of just have a, a stream of posts where we talk about what we're what we're feeling like 10 years later after the Watchmen movie or – you know, you haven't really revisited the comic in almost a decade, and neither have I. So we'll probably have some interesting insights while we're reading them. So, right. Yeah. I'll make a video of me uh, blowing the dust off of my old comic. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep your shirt on. No. Okay, that's all we got. Again, visit us at whopodswatchmen.com, and we'll be back. Is that going to be my sign-off? I don't know. We'll, we'll workshop. We'll work on it. Yeah. I feel like it should be something along the lines of what Rorschach says. Uh, they'll, they'll call for me. Yeah. Uh, they'll scream for help, and I'll look down and say no. <laughs> they'll scream for more podcasts, and I'll say no. I'll, until next week. <laughs> I'll edit out. They'll want me to edit out all the mouth clicks and noises, and I will say no. 